0: Hi, this is James Joker, host of WebComics Reviews and Interviews. Today is the artist's grab bag, so sit back, relax, and let the geek fest begin. One of the things a lot of artists forget to do is that they need to do their own research and setting up. That is, they need to establish some level of consistency within the comic. This is important for a number of reasons. If you want to get a really interesting education in this, go to IMDb track down a show called The Code, and look at the reviews and goofs section. What you're going to find is a lot of military people did not like the show because they kept screwing up uniforms. Yeah, uniforms. You had women in office sitting wearing stiletto heels. Not only did this create a regulation issue, a safety issue, but it also created a Foley issue. They actually couldn't get the stiletto heels to go in sync with the actual video sometimes. You had situations where people were having their caps worn in non-regulation manners. And yeah, the code is all about the regulations. It was a freaking lawyer's office in the Marines. If they didn't care about getting the regulations right, who would? You know what I mean? At some point you even had the fruit salad, the awards and ribbons and all that on the person's chest made absolutely no sense. You you had a person who'd never been in the infantry, they should not be wearing a combat infantry badge. You know what I mean? All of these little inconsistencies ended up driving the viewers nuts, and, well, it didn't help that there was a lot of other issues with the show in terms of writing and character, but the big one that everybody pretty much nailed it for were the uniform issues. And when you're dealing in military show, that's a major problem. If you're doing this as a comic, it's even worse because a lot of those decisions are straight artistic choices. And if you make too many of them over a particular period of time, well, all you're showing is that you don't really care about the comic. And, well, if your comic is to be used for a portfolio or if you're trying to basically build it, you're trying to get a little bit of money from it, showing that you don't care it's going to translate to the readers showing that they don't care. And the way that a reader shows that he doesn't care is he doesn't read. So if you're trying to use this as a portfolio, you take this to a future employer, he sees that you do not care about your comic. You know, at that point, why should he care? He's got properties that are very important and need to be drawn a particular way. He's got vehicles and weapons and other things that over time... People have come to expect to be drawn in a particular way or style. And all of a sudden, you're coming in and you don't care about stuff in your own comic? You know? How's that going to... What's the employer going to think? And again, if you're trying to build this into some sort of commercial venture, even if it's just simply enough to get pizza, and you're showing that you don't care, you know, why should anybody click on your ads? Why should anybody go into your site in the first place? You know? you need to have some sort of level of consistency within the comic. You're going to need to actually sit back and actually do a little bit of research, figure out what's going on, have a little bit of fun with that research, and then set up some sort of visual Bible. Obviously, I'm going to do a plug-in for how to create a comic workbook. Yes, there will be links in the uh, show notes. But the key here is, you need to have something that shows that you care. If you care about it, if you have passion, if you absolutely build the world's greatest world and you do it in such a way that when you screw up, all of a sudden people are going to be going, oh my gosh, what's going on next? You've done your job. Those details add up over time, and the more details you have, especially if you're consistent with them, And yeah, I know you're going to get tired. You can actually build a drinking game off of that word alone for this episode. But if you can actually be consistent with what you're doing, all of a sudden you're going to see a lot of readers caring. You're going to see people that you want to be hired by being impressed by what you're doing. And more importantly, you're going to be having a certain level of fun in there as well because you're going to be trying to set up details that people are going to catch. And like I said, if you're consistent with a lot of trivial stuff, People are going to find out that when you hide, shall we say, another example here is Marvel Comics. They actually had to recall an entire issue from the bookstands because one of the artists had included certain language in the library. It only showed up in one panel. You had to look at it a certain way. And unless you knew exactly what you were looking for, you would have missed this particularly interesting language. But the bottom line is, it was there. And we won't talk about all the times people look at certain Disney movies and Disney pictures and see inappropriate items relative to that particular movie. But the key here is the only reason they're noticing those is because there's certain level of consistency and people are taking advantage of that to all of a sudden make an interesting point. You know, obviously you as a writer, or sorry, you as an artist, need to allow for that and actually have a little bit of fun. And yeah, to a degree, you are becoming a writer of the comic just as much as the writer is. You know, you're establishing some really cool stuff going on that is going to have some interesting fallout later on in that particular comic. That's cool. That's exactly what you want to do. If you have a ray gun that you've built a particular way, and all of a sudden somebody has a slightly different model, all of a sudden you've created a little bit of an interesting plot twist in there. And people are actually going to follow that. So, consistency needs to be king. And don't think that you have to keep this as a straitjacket, you know? My personal favorite example has got to be Janet Van Dyne, a.k.a. The Wasp. She was established as a fashion designer relatively early on. What this meant was that when she did her 98 or so costume changes over the first 118 issues of The Avengers, it was actually seen as pretty cool. Those costume changes came into the fact that she was a fashion designer. So, in effect, that level of Inconsistency with the costumes actually worked out to develop that particular character. So obviously, you don't have to have, you know, the consistency to be static. There are ways you can do with it, you know, and just have a lot of fun with it. And the very least, if you're going to have a long-term comic, and you've got a person wearing the same T-shirt, the same cargo pants, the same sneakers. This is going to create some interesting issues as far as the comic is concerned because you're going to have a lot of readers start wondering why this person doesn't take a shower every so often. Yeah, you can throw the Albert Einstein defense at them. You know, where they have a huge number of the same outfits in their closet and it's just easier to change into those every day rather than having, you know, go with something new. And yeah, it's great if you're trying to set up a character with some serious OCD issues. But, you don't have to be hardcore consistent. I mean, you don't have to have that in a straight jacket. It's not a static part of the comic. Have some fun with some of those aspects. Just the point here is that, you know, you're not going to have a new car every day. I mean, I hate saying take a page from the A-Team, but, you know, just because a car has some major damage taken to it doesn't mean it can't show up later in the comic. It's just a matter of taking it to the right repairman. He does a lot of magic, in some cases literally. And you get the car back. Just look at how many times the 18 van had really bad stuff happen to it, all the way from minor little fender benders, all the way to it actually got exploded a couple of times. And yet, B.A. Baracus was able to fix pretty much anything. Straight up, I swear the guy was a freaking mage. But... Because some of those repairs are just simply not possible given the time constraints. But, just have fun with it. And, today's podcast is all about helping you be consistent to at least some degree. Alright, let's start looking with the people, clothes people wear. Like you pointed out, obviously you're going to want to have some sort of change over a period of time. Which means you're going to want to establish that each character has their own particular style. And that their clothes tend to be within that particular style, you know? If you've got somebody who does a lot of weird Hawaiian prints, T-shirts, and shorts, well, even though you'll probably end up keeping the shorts relatively consistent, you'll probably be changing the costume, or you'll be changing the Hawaiian print, and maybe the shirt every so often. You do not want to create a Scooby-Doo situation where these people have... I mean, seriously, where these people keep their clothes? I mean, do you ever see any kind of luggage in that van? I mean, if you wanted proof that these people were on some seriously good grade drugs, the fact that nobody cared about their appearance whatsoever and had any kind of clothes other than what they actually wore is probably the best sign of it. The problem, of course, is that when you start dealing with the simpler comics when it comes to their character design, like say peanuts, the same basic question tends to get raised. Just how many of those shirts did Charlie Brown have? Because you know he had parents, you know the parents were making him take showers every so often. So he's presumably changing his shirt out at some point. And what's really weird is all these kids had the same level of OCD. They all wore the same clothing on a consistent basis. I'm not sure too sure about Pig Pins. But other than that, you know, straight. all I'm trying to do is point out that the clothing, obviously, is something you're going to want to be in the same general style, but at the same time, you want to want to change it every so often. The exception, of course, is if you happen to be dealing with uniforms. Uh, military uniforms are an obvious example because each branch has their own color and has their own scheme, and even when you start looking at particular MOSs, You know, like the infantry, for example, they have their own modifications to their particular outfits. Plus, on top of that, some of the different branches do their do their uniforms a little bit different. Just notice how many tear off patches the Air Force has, for example. Just pointing out that each different little uniform you set up for each different branch of service is going to create is going to add to that world because at that point you can establish. What that person's military status is, and general idea what that person's skills are. So, if you're trying to set up a Navy cook who has some special forces background, hey, it becomes an interesting plot twist rather than, well, we were expecting it. So, just have some fun with the clothes. If you are going to set up military services or even people like, say, uh, janitorial staff or anything like that you're going to want to have them have a particularly generalized uniform if you're dealing with a superhero team yeah you're definitely going to be wanting to up some sort of uniform but you can have a lot of fun with it I mean consider the X-Men Every, the only thing you know 9 times out of 10 if you have 3 characters and one of them has an X on their outfit odds are that's the X-Men you know but even when you start looking at the other superhero teams, you tend to notice that they have some general um, uniforms that they keep in mind. You, uh, Avengers, for example, most of their outfits tend to be, you know, cover pretty much everything. Some of them even have loose clothing. They also tend to be a little bit better defended than other characters. You know, that you look at the Fantastic Four. Unstable molecules, plus everybody has pretty much the same outfit. Even Benjamin Grimm has the same colors as his compatriots. So... And if you don't think that there's not going to be some sort of historical research in here, just look at, say, pole arms. You know, we're talking a stick that's basically 8 to 14 feet long. Sometimes a little bit longer, rarely shorter. And you had entire companies of these people. You know, these people were usually set up there specifically to deal with cavalry. On the other hand, if you want to look at somebody who's a little bit more of a melee fighter, look at the Spartans. Obviously, if you set the Spartans up against the cavalry, the cavalry is going to have all sorts of fun just mowing through the Spartans, you know? I don't care how good those shields are, swords were the basic point is is that you had to have each one of them had to be set up for a particular historical situation the Spartans were really great when we deal with the Greek wars because everything was pretty much hand to hand you know a shield a sword perfect on the other hand if we start dealing closer to the Renaissance all of a sudden yeah those shields and swords aren't going to be that really great against the cavalry and heck, you start throwing up against a couple of cannonballs. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of dead Spartans in very short order. You know? Part of the reason we have, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Check out what happened in the Wild West. You had a pistol. Somebody's were charging at you with a gun. Remember that scene from Indiana Jones where he basically was just too tired and said, screw it, and shot the swordsman that was charging at him? Yeah, that's why you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. So, just pointing out that if you're going to be, you know, here's where you start doing a little bit of research. Sometimes you're going to find some really cool stuff in the military arc. So, obviously, you need to do some research, and here's where it's going to help paying off. However, this doesn't mean it's not going to be the other area. Another area you can have some serious fun with is pajamas. Yeah, I know. This is one of those little minor things that drives me nuts every so often. But you have... People who pretty much don't wear pajamas. And I'm not talking... You know, you see them in the morning, you see them at night, and you always see them in school uniforms or some variation thereof. You never see these people go re- get ready for bed. Uh, yeah, occasionally you do. But generally speaking, when you see characters in comics, you don't see people that have any sort of bed clothes. Look, and yeah, I'm including nudity as an actual type of bed clothing here. Pajamas sound sort of silly, but when you have somebody, when you see somebody at breakfast time and they're wearing their skewed uniforms already, you know, it's going to sort of put you out if it happens way too consistently. You actually want to see these people running around in pajama bottoms or pajama tops. You, you show this person's bedroom, you actually want to see this, and you show them late night, you want to see what they're sleeping in. You know? Way too many comics have these late-night comics where they have people running around in whatever their battle uniforms are or their school uniforms or basically stuff they wouldn't be wearing to bed. You know, straight up. Uh, Straight up. You'll even meet me. You'll see I'm, you know, once I've eaten dinner, once I've done the dishes and I'm getting ready to just watch TV or write at night, hey, I'll sleep in my sweat bottoms or sweatpants, you know? This is not something a lot of people don't do. Heck, you see it happening in TV shows all the time. So yeah, if showing the characters pajamas and having a consistent suit of those pajamas is actually a really great way to set up some really, you know, something say something about the character. Straight up, if you have teenagers, odds are they're going to be wearing minimal pajama. On the other hand, if you have preteen set. Obviously, they're going to be going for the full set. You you know, heck, if you're really young, they may even have those little bunny slipper things. They're part of, you know, yeah. Of course, when you start getting the adult scene, pretty much every adult wears something different. So it's just a great way to establish character as well to establish a little bit of consistency again within the comic. So if you're setting up your Bible... This was actually not a bad idea to see what the character looks like in their pajamas. Weird concept, I know. But hey, I'm a weird person. Leave me alone. And just as much as you define a person's clothing, you also need to look at what they use to... What their tools are. In some cases, we're looking at weapons. You know, if you're dealing with the military, the guns, the knives the largest heavy ordnance. You know, all these need to be really well-defined. You know, the really fun thing is that you're going to see that a different person will handle a particular weapon differently than somebody else. Usually. You can actually tell a lot about the person about how their weapons look. If you have somebody who, for example, is a little bit of rust here and there, has some dirt all over the weapon, so on and so forth... This is obviously not going to be a neat and tidy person. On the other hand, if your weapon has a little bit of extra edge to it, you know, look at swords. You know, obvious example here are the Jedi versus Sith sabers. Sith, for example, tend to have red lightsabers. It's a defining trait of that particular group. If you start looking at fantasy, you see evil characters tend to have all sorts of jagged edges to their particular weapons. Again, nothing says evil like a jagged wedge. You know what I mean? But this applies to the other tools as well. Don't pre- you know, if you have somebody who has a really cool little block pick and uses that all the time, and it even has its own history, it's going to show by having a distinct appearance. And that little bit of distinctiveness is going to add to that particular character, especially if you're trying to establish whether or not they're a doppelganger. This can even apply to how they carry these particular weapons. Consider if I have a sword I carry on my uh, on my waist or one I carry around on my back. Which one of these two people are you going to want to not deal with? The odds are it's going to be the one on the person who carries it on the hip on the other hand if you have somebody who carries it on their back well we've hit the point where that's become a visual trope and that establishes that person is an assassin go figure so when you start looking at the various weapons tools in of the trade you're going to be wanting to look at the conditions what they look like in general and how they're carried all three of these things establish a certain degree of personality As well as a certain degree of, well, let's just call it a risk factor. So, you know, that equipment, again, helps to define the character. Vehicles are another issue. Let's get real. If you have any kind of vehicle, it's going to define something about the comic. I don't care if we're looking at Batman's Batmobile. you really want fun, look up the Superman-mobile. It looks like a submarine with hands. You know, Wonder Woman, Invisible Jet And of course, let's get real The Invisible Jet actually adds to the world Because it makes an interesting statement About women being invisible Seriously, what is it with all the women Invisibility powers? Anyway, the basic point here is that You've got a woman who should be out And should be obvious And she's running around in an invisible jet Seriously, what kind of statement does that make? But you get the idea here, is that the char- uh, vehicle a character has will make a major statement about the person. I don't care if it's a skateboard, a bike, a Vespa. Heck, you know, yes, there are famous Vespas out there. Just look up FLCL, Fully Cooley, Furry Curry, multiple choice title, you know. The Vespa is a, ma- is a character by itself. And the type of vehicle a person has says a lot about that person. You know, if you're dealing with a 10-year-old and he's running around in a Rolls-Royce, that kid better be rich. Odds are, nine times out of ten, if you're talking vehicles and you're talking 10-year-olds, you're talking skateboards and bikes. If the person is in skates, and we're talking the old school roller, you know, we're not talking rollerblades, we're talking actual roller skates. That's going to actually help set up your history as well. It's going to set up what area of time you're in. So when you start looking at your vehicles, they can say a lot about the person in time as well, as well as how well maintained that vehicle is. Again, going back to the Scooby, machine, you know, the mystery machine. Straight up, did this thing actually ever get washed? I mean, think about that for a second. We saw it all over time. We saw it at the beginning. We saw it at the end. Sometimes we see it during the middle. But it just stood out. You know? Seriously, did that thing ever actually get washed? Did anybody actually go in and clean out the garbage? You know, little things. Maintenance may sound silly, but it's going to add up over time, and it's going to, again, show the lack or intense how much maintenance there actually is on that vehicle, you know, compared to, say, the Mach 5 from Speed Racer, how much maintenance that thing went under. And, of course, we also saw that thing do a lot of stuff. In Batmobile, dude, uh, straight up, we know Alfred has some serious mechanics chops. So, again, it may sound like a trivial point. Actually, no, it's not. Vehicles establish a lot about the person. I don't care if it's a skateboard, a horse, a Vespa, an invisible jet. Vehicles establish a lot about personality. And this is something you also need to research because you want to make sure you get the historical eras areas right. You want to make sure you get the details about social, socioeconomic status right. You know, you don't want to have a person in the slums running around in the Rolls Royce. Conversely, you don't want to have somebody, you know, you're trying to establish as rich running around in a Ford pickup. Nothing even has Ford pickups. I love the trucks. Don't get me wrong. But it's not something you see a multi-billionaire running around in. You know what I mean? So, when you start establishing a character, figure out how this character is going to get around, how much maintenance they put into that vehicle, and make sure they have one. You know, even the Amish have their buggies. You know what I mean? You keep hearing that environment is a factor. Well, again, this is something that you as an artist can have a lot of fun with, and not necessarily always in the right way. Here's where things get really complicated really quick. Basically, you want to match the person's environment to the actual person, and you want to have some fun with it. Um... Consider, for example, if somebody has a Spartan environment, you know, a bed, a TV, maybe a TV, a desk, and nothing on the walls. What's that say about that particular person? Obviously, this is somebody who's not really interested in living, or he's just simply not at home a lot. You know, for one reason or another, he doesn't really care about his very specific environment. At the flip side of this, you have the hoarder. You know, somebody who has, like, stacks of newspapers. Again, details matter. What's that say about the person? That person's obviously going to have problems letting go of stuff. That person is going to be somebody who's being more worried about being prepared than actually living, you know? Little details, sure, but all of these are going to add up over time. Uh, You know, even if you have a person who has a run-down apartment, but they've keep You know, one particular area is very well maintained. Obviously, that one particular area is very important to that person. That's where they do a lot of their living. They put a lot of maintenance in that area. Uh, Compare, for example, dirty dishes. If they have a ridiculous amount of dirty dishes, yeah, this is obviously not something who does a lot of cooking. Because a person who does a lot of cooking is going to be keeping their dishes very well maintained. Is going to be washing them all the time. Little details. Heck, if you want to establish a bachelor apartment, does it come any easier than milk crates and boards? You know? You want to have a chair? Here's your milk crate. You want shelving? Milk crates? Boards. You want to set up a desk? Stacked milk crates. You wanna have a audiovisual center? Again. Milk crates, boards. You know? Having that level of... Heck, even having a big, giant... One of those cable spools is a major fashion statement in and of itself. Little details, yeah. But a lot of these tend to add up over time. Again, if you're trying to establish that the person is rich, well-off, so on and so forth, the irony is that these people will have a lot of empty spaces, but those walls will be very well decorated. When they have... Desks or drawers, or what have you, they're going to be very fancy. We're basically talking a difference between milk treats and boards uh, versus straight out of the IKEA catalog. On the other hand, somebody has a lot of collectibles, a lot of knickknacks, a lot of tchotchkes all over the place. That's going to define that person as well. You know, if I have a lot of Warhammer figurines all over the place. Obviously, we're talking somebody who's very tactical-minded, somebody who's very well-organized, somebody who spends a lot of time painting. You know? That's an actual skill, painting is. And it can actually be used to have a lot of fun with. Conversely, if you have somebody who has worn, you know, wrapped everything in bubble wrap or plastic or whatever, this is somebody who tries to keep their house as low-maintenance as possible, and spends way too much time cleaning. I mean, straight up, there's a lot of things you can do that will set off what the character looks like. And when you're starting to establish bases, the same thing applies. Uh, Consider an infantry base versus an air force base, for example. The infantry base has a lot of wide areas, but that's because you can use those areas for field training exercises. Or they'll set up ranges for shooting practice. Or they'll have areas where you can actually practice demolitions. Heck, they'll even have forests on the area so they can practice stealth skills. The key here is that when you start looking at an army base, you see a lot of areas that are set aside for training for one particular skill or another. As opposed to an air force base where all of a sudden you've got these big huge areas, but they have roads throughout them. Obviously, we're setting up places where planes can land. So when you set up the character's home, you're setting up not just what that person does, but you're also setting up how that person thinks. And when you start looking at how you draw your bases, how you draw your apartments, how you draw even your, you know, tents out in the woods, all of this assigns certain qualities to that person's personality as well as how they do things. It also says a lot about their skill set. You know, if I've got a person who set up a tent in the middle of the woods and it's just a tent, that person obviously doesn't really care too much about their environment and is just simply there to be minimally protected against the environment. On the other hand, if the person has a lot of traps set up in the area, at that point we're talking more of a survivalist nature. Again, little details, but you're going to be finding out that a lot of these little details add up over time and it's important to have them drawn down somewhere. Even if it's just a one off, that can say a lot of person might actually be using a plot point later on. And of course, there's the also fun food topic. For how you set up the food, is going to be saying a lot about the person, and it's going to be saying a lot about that person's wealth, and it's going to be saying a lot about that person's environment. Because that people tend to look at what they eat as a lot of major indication of where that person is. I mean, you've got to value that. If I have somebody who eats a lot of fruit, for example, obviously this person is going to be hyperkinetic. Fruit has a lot of sugar in it. That sugar adds to the energy level of that particular person, so on and so forth. If, on the other hand, we're talking about a larger person who tends to eat a lot of carbs, you know, Twinkies, host of snacks, basically sweet stuff or stuff that just simply has a lot of carb value to it yeah that person is probably going to be more fat than they are going to be muscular on the other hand if we're talking somebody who eats a lot of meat and is still a large person yeah that person is going to be more muscular than they are fat in comics you need to realize that people are what they eat and that's an important point i mean we're not talking just going on to the food network and looking at what the cool stuff is and translating that into your comic. Yeah, that sounds sort of cool, but unless the person you're dealing with happens to be some sort of gourmand, that's going to come off as sort of silly. Conversely, if you are setting up a cafeteria, well, the food that's being presented and is being served in that cafeteria is going to be saying a lot about the school. You know, if you've got a school that happens to be just real basic, I don't know, Salisbury steak, basic vegetables, you know, cartons of milk, that's obviously a low-end school. They don't have the money to actually spend any real money on their food budget, and so they're trying to get by with the absolute minimum they can. On the other hand, if you have a lot of lush options, you have some actual steak, ribs, You have a number of vegetarian options. You actually have an actual salad bar. Hey, obviously this is a higher-end school and these people are spending some serious money. Heck, even if you have an apple bin, you know, just a lot of places where you can grab food, like the apples, the buns, so on and so forth, that little bit of opulence says a lot about how important the school is. On the other hand, if you want to set up more of a college situation... Well, bagels and cream cheese is definitely the way to go. Uh, An omelet bar, maybe. You know, stuff that basically has stuff, you know, still has great food, but all the food is geared geared towards getting people in and out. Because let's get real, college students don't really care. I mean, look at how many fast, if you want to see fast food capitals, they also tend to be college towns. This is not a coincidence. College students may not have a whole lot of extra spending money, but when they do, they tend to spend it on food. Very few actually spend it on books. Probably a shame. (laughs) But the basic gist here is that the food people eat in a comic actually defines who that person is. You are literally what you eat. Well, not that literally, you know. I'm just trying to make the point here is that when you start seeing... So you want to define a lot about that person in terms of what that person is, start looking at what they're food, eating and what they're drinking. Definitely look at what they're drinking. Obviously, if you're trying to do more of an Irish thing where you've got more everybody's people's salt of the earth, that sort of thing, you're going to have more salt. You're going to have more stouts. On the other hand, if you're trying to be more college student, more hip, at that point, you're going to want your L's, your IPAs. If you're really trying to show it to a person who has money and affluence, at that point, you're basically looking at somebody who's going to be more towards your wines. Only if you start doing, you want to show a real alcoholic, are you going to bring in your spirits and your other liquors, you know? If that person is doing has a vodka bottle in pretty much every scene they're in, this is the person who should be attending an AA meeting, you know what I mean? Little details. So one would suggest that you track out a book on Amazon called How to Create a Comic Workbook. I've actually set this up so that it's a lot easier to track a lot of these a lot of this information. You've got pages that are developed to bases, to tools, to weapons, to characters, so on and so forth. And even if you don't buy the book, you're still gonna be wanting to set up a notebook that has all this stuff in it. If you set it up you Again, you're going to have to set it up on however you feel comfortable with. What I advise is you do one of two basic schemes. You either have it set up through each individual... I guess, chapter each individual section that deals with a particular character has all that character's junk with that particular character. You know, you have the character's clothes, you have the character's weapons, you have the character's tools, vehicle, and you have the character set up as a base. You know, if everybody has a lot of their own personal junk, you know, if every other character is Batman or an equivalent, then, yeah, you're going to have to want to set up with their own little sections and break down exactly that, you know. You're going to be wanting to figure out what these persons run around with. You're going to want to know what they use as their primary weapons, secondary and even tertiary weapons. Yeah, we're talking sword, throwing daggers, large crossbow, You want to set this person up with a base. When you set the person up with a base, don't just show the outside, but also show the inside. I mean, straight up, anybody can have a brown, can have a brown house. Well, okay, not everybody. It's major expensive. The point is that different brown houses tend to be set up. And just so we're clear, we're talking those big brown brick buildings found in New York. The point is, is that each one of these is set up individually. Some people set them up so there's a, it's basically an actual living space with you know, bedrooms, living room, bathrooms, that sort of thing. Whereas some people just treat them as giant, huge studio apartments. You know, The key here is that when you start setting up, you not just want to see the exterior of the base or their headquarters, or their home, or what have you, or even their apartment complex, you're also going to want to look in and see what the person actually lives in. All these help to establish, again, more character, but also have to establish details. Yeah, that word again. You want to be as consistent as you possibly can. And by setting up this visual Bible, you can actually do that. On top of that, if you happen to be in a situation where you have guest artists, you can actually email them off bits and pieces of this particular visual Bible and say, hey, here's what it looks like. We're trying to keep that reasonably consistent and have some fun with it. You know, all of a sudden you don't go just from a generic study. You go from, this is how this person has their study set up. And how that person has their study set up says a lot about that person. First off, the fact that you have a study says a lot about that person. But when it comes down to it, You know, not everybody's going to have that big globe right in the center. Some people, let's get real, that's not an actual globe. That's a hidden drink caddy. If you have three or four of these running around, you may be an AA member or a potential AA member, you know? The bottom line here is, when you start looking at your characters, you need to basically start looking at how these characters are defined. And the easiest way to define a character is by going through and actually saying, Hey, this is what the character does, this is how the character interacts with their environment, and this is how the character dresses. Little consistency issues, but like you point out right off the beginning, uh, certain people have different expectations as to what should be happening. And you help to define those expectations. You know, if you're doing a military thing and you basically have everybody, you know, you have no actual clue about military uniforms, it's going to show. Those details are going to drive readers nuts. And it's also going to help the writing as well. I mean, think about that for a second. If you're trying to do an anti-military piece and you can't even get the military details right, What's that say about your particular perspective on the military? You know, do you have an actual valid opinion on what the military does? If you have no idea what the, how the military even dresses, if you basically do a lot of AK forty sevens and the military you're dealing with happens to use an M sixteen, yeah, your gun nuts are going to know, and that's going to again detract from the overall thrust of the show or comic. It's just those little bits of consistency. Anything you can set up that sets up consistency can only help your comic. And there's absolutely no way I can emphasize that enough. You just have way too many people that go into a comic and figure they can do pretty much whatever they want. They don't have to establish any kind of consistency. And they can just simply have fun. Well, even if you're setting up an office situation, you know, You want some sort of map of how the office cubicles are set up. You know, you're going to want to know where the water is. You're going to want to know where the break room is. You know, you're going to want to have all these little details that annoy you, sure. And they're going to aggravate the heck out of you, but they have payoff. If you're trying to do a chasing and you have, you're trying to do an incredibly long chasing in a very short area, you're obviously going to be wanting to change that area or you're going to be wanting to move that chasing. I mean, if you've established, gone through and established that you have a cubicle area and all of a sudden you're having a chasing through this and all of a sudden there's no cubicles, it's going to take the reader right out. But here's the important part is that work is worth it because at the same time, if you have those, make sure those cubicles are in there, first off, you have little in. Built in obstacles to the chase. You know, on top of that, you may have areas where you can actually go through and grab items that are in the particular cubicles and use them as weapons against whatever chasing you. You know, if you know somebody, for example, is a, if you establish somebody is heavy into weapons and is going to have a weapon no matter where they are, odds are they're going to have a couple of knives in their drawer at work. You know, backup. Or they may have tasers, or they may have mace, or they may have anything on a long list of small items that you can put into a drawer that also count as a weapon. All of these little details can only help whatever you're trying to pull off in the comic. Again, if you're trying to be pro-military or anti-military, and you get all those costumes right, you get all those uniforms right, you get all the people that should have those little blue... Light blue braids, right? And the people who shouldn't have expert infantry badges don't have them. That establishes a lot of really cool cred as far as you're trying to make your points. So, just something to consider here. Have some of your details. Set up some sort of visual Bible. Stick to it. No one to deviate from it, no one to stick to it. You know, the details should not be straitjackets. You should always be worried more about artistic license versus artistic restraint. But this does not say that you shouldn't have some you know exercise of artistic restraint along with your artistic license. You're going to have to figure out where that balance is. And the sooner you find it, the better. Tonight's takeaway, be consistent, all our masking. Have some fun with it. Set up a visual Bible so you have something that acts as a reference. Do this, and I think you're going to find out your comic is going to be a whole lot better. If this has helped, please visit patreon.com slash sparrows D-W-O. You'll find some really great tips, a couple of uh, interviews. Heck, once in a while, you might even find a bonus episode there. All in all, Please support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash twosparrows. Also, I advise checking out amazon.com for the How to Create a Comic Workbook. And that should actually help you a lot as well. So, all said, have a good evening. I'll talk to you later.